welcome to another episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. My name is Pastor Nathan Paygard, and I'm grateful that you could join me today, and I'm looking forward to walking through the Word with you. For this episode, we're going to be in the book of Acts, and we're going to be picking up in chapter 15, and we're mainly going to be focusing on the section between verse 19 and verse 21, but we'll start a little bit further back, maybe around verse 13. So the total passage we're going to be reflecting on and discussing in this episode is uh, chapter 15 of the book of Acts from verse 13 to verse 21. So like I've said in previous podcasts, I'm using the uh, New International Version, the NIV version of the Bible. Um, So that's what I'll be reading out of. But if you have a different version that you prefer uh, from your Bible, feel free to read the section, Acts 15, uh, verses 13 to 21 on your own uh, to get the context and then rejoin the, the podcast after you finish or listen to me first and then pause and read your own your own version. So I'll go ahead and read. This is Acts 15, verses 13 to 21, and then I'll pray and then we'll go ahead and discuss uh, what's in this passage. So this is chapter 15, verse 13. When they finished, James spoke up, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this this episode and this podcast. We thank you that we can use the technology to go deeper into the Word, uh, to reflect on our own understanding of the Word, and to seek your truth in Scripture. We pray over this passage in Acts 15. Thank you for providing it for us, and we ask that your truth be revealed to everyone listening and uh, participating in this podcast endeavor. Uh, Help us to address what you want us to hear. Um, Help us to come with empty hands, ready to receive what you've prepared for us to receive um, during this time. So speak truthfully and clearly so that we can feel your presence and that we can uh, hear your voice clearly, um, uh, undeterred and uninterrupted, uh, as we seek you and seek your truth in the scripture. We thank you for this word. Thank you for truth in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to kind of uh, give a little bit of context, a little bit of background where we're picking it up um, in, uh, in Acts, uh, the, the main issue that you found with the, the, ch- the church in Jerusalem and the, the Jewish Christians and then the influx uh, of Gentile believers was this, this tension between uh, the, the Jewish Christians that had, uh, for, for, for all of them, the, the, an entire lifetime of how to follow God, uh, laid out with the book, uh, the, the the Torah and the books of Moses, and all of the laws. Um, so you have all of these believers that are now fully committed and devoted to Jesus Christ, 
but they take with them and they carry with them with no fault of their own uh, a, a lifetime of experience with how you approach God through the law. And one of those uh, crucial uh, legal commandments that uh, the Jewish Christians carried with them was the, the law and the practice of circumcision. Um, that was a central practice and central command uh, for, uh, for believers, for people dedicated and, and following God. Um, so what you have is, is after Christ, you have this open, open door now of, of all nations, uh, people from, from all different backgrounds coming and meeting at the same cross um, of Jesus Christ. And you have people that don't carry with them um, that legacy and that background of the law, including circumcision. So you have this tension of these two groups, um, and that's something you found throughout Scripture, um, even when in the Old Testament, um, and the, the story of the exile and the story of Israel as a, a, a new nation, a growing nation, uh, you see this tension with non-believers and non, um, non-Jewish people or the, the, the people in the land that, that weren't part of the nation of Israel uh, being confronted by the, the law and the practices of Israel, but also having their own, uh, their own culture. And how do, you, how do you put those together? And, and that's what we're seeing here in Acts, is that you have uh, the words of Christ declaring that everything is equal, um, everyone has equal share uh, in the gospel. Um, actually, our, our last episode, episode 7, uh, dealt specifically with that, that with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have uh, a, a good news declared that there is no longer any favoritism, there is no longer any inequality in Christ. To claim the name of Christ in your name as a Christian establishes the truth that anyone can approach Christ um, with equal shares in the good news, equal shares in forgiveness, equal shares in in grace, and the blessing of being called uh, a beloved child of God, a co-heir with Christ. But even today, you know, we, we look at this story um, from first century Palestine, and we look in that area um, of the Mediterranean where you have this tension of Jewish Christians and then Gentiles, and how do you put those together, and what is important? Um, you know, we see that played out throughout the history of the Christian church of debates and conflicts within the church of what is what is the right way to follow God, what is necessary, uh, what is what is uh, allowable in in how you approach God or how you worship God. Uh, it's something that we we have not done away with. Um, you look around your your city or you look around the world at the numerous denominations that all claim Christ in their messages and sermons and their worship songs and their hymns um, and as they describe uh, the faith that they are a part of. But then from each denomination to the next, you see uh, a, a diverse um, approach to what is important in terms of how you worship uh, God. So that's something that we see very early on, um, not just preceding uh, Jesus and how Israel dealt with um, the the Gentile nations in that part of the world, but then through uh, the, the 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 ministry of Jesus and then post um, resurrection, you see the church struggling at times to um, to 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 find a balance with the the Jewish Christians um, who Jesus was revealed to 
first uh, in in the the disciples and the, the people in Israel um, during his ministry, and then the 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 numerous people that flooded in as believers uh, that uh, that had none of that background whatsoever, a very different background. Um, so in this in this section in chapter fifteen, what you have is you have the council, you have a, a large meeting. Uh, discussing this issue that there there are so many Gentile believers now, and this is still very 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 soon after uh, the resurrection. Um, there was a a massive increase in Gentile believers. the The gospel went out by the power of the Holy Spirit, and um, thousands of people became believers. Um, and a lot of them didn't know all of the the background and context that the Jewish Christians. Uh, were aware of, um, that the disciples were aware of. So people were just hearing that there is this Savior, that there is this miracle worker, that there is this Messiah. And what they're seeing is um, a, a life that they're living that, that is so in need of healing, uh, so in need of justice, so in need of, of transformation. They see those, those lives transformed by the power of this name of Jesus. You see these disciples and believers uh, spread out uh, in that entire area, proclaiming the gospel, and you see the transformation. Um, these people were not taken by uh, by a new popularity or a new fad or a trend. Uh, what they saw was was miraculous, um, tangible presence and power um, in the name of Jesus, making things right. So you're seeing sick people uh, healed. You're seeing um, lives put back together. You're seeing communities transformed. Uh, you're seeing an endurance, a perseverance, a strength um, in the persecuted. Uh, you're seeing uh, a, an actual change in people's lives. Um, this is not just a self-help or kind of a, a new philosophy or a new kind of frame of mind to approach the world. You're seeing uh, literal transformation in people. Uh, but a lot of these people, they, they're, they're coming into it totally cold, brand new, um, like a like a blank slate, just knowing that they need help and that this name of Jesus has helped them. So you have these very different approaches to, to Christ and the gospel and what that means for people in general, uh, globally and, uh, and internationally. So what you have is you have the disciples, um, you have uh, people like Simon, and you have people like James uh, trying to explain, trying to uh, you know, stand as the voices of reason um, and the, the the preachers of the gospel, uh, making sure that that the, the church in Jerusalem, that the Jewish Christians understand that in no way was Jesus preaching an extension of Jewish law. You know, what he was doing was he was fulfilling the law. So he didn't do away with it. But what he did is that in his life and his death and his resurrection, he fulfilled it. So no longer um, are there is there any need for for any sacrifices, animal sacrifices that you saw by the thousands and thousands throughout um, Jewish history. No longer is that necessary. Not because that was unnecessary, but because it was pointing to the ultimate sacrifice, which was Jesus on the cross. And in His own words, He declares, "It is finished." So examples like the sacrifice, you know, examples like the holy temple. After Jesus Christ, the temple, it's not something that is obsolete in the sense that it, it had no purpose. It definitely carried a, a, a significant purpose and place in Jewish culture 
and in their relationship with Yahweh or with God. However, what is declared um, by the resurrection of Jesus is that he is with us everywhere, that we no longer have to go to a a site, um, a geographical site or a building to approach God, but that we can approach him everywhere. You know, Jesus talks to the, the woman at the well saying that there will be a time when you no longer worship me on a mountain or in the holy city, but that you will worship me in spirit wherever you are. So he's not abolishing it, he's fulfilling it. All of those laws were pointing towards uh, what we have ultimately in Jesus Christ. And circumcision is no different. And that's what James and Simon um, and the disciples are trying to to get across at this uh, council in Jerusalem, that although we're very different, um, and although we have different backgrounds, we meet at Christ. So we have to turn to what does Jesus say? So, so no longer is your word or your background something that takes precedence over the gospel and the words of Jesus. So, you know, going back to our previous episode of equality and, uh, and, and no favoritism, when you come to Christ, your background matters and it doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're valued by who you are. You know, Jesus knows that you are from America or that you are from Israel or that you are from Asia, wherever you come from, he knows that and he, and he puts you there. You know, that was part of your life. That's part of your design. And that's something that is a part of you. You know, you're not supposed to take that and erase it and completely cut yourself off from that. That is who you are. However, as a Christian, Christ now is the priority. You know, Christ is now the law. You know, Christ is the new commandment. He's the new covenant. He's now your king. So in Christianity, you're not told to do away with who you are, you know, like we see in, in, in other philosophies or other religions where you almost have to erase who you are to start over. What Jesus proclaims and what we have in Christianity is he brings you in as you are. And that's so important to understand that as a Christian, you can come as you are. You don't have to be cleansed first. You come as you are, and then you are transformed. And it's almost like, you know, know, sometimes when I'm describing what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, I use the idea of like a 3D movie. When you're watching a 3D movie without your 3D glasses, you're still watching the movie, you know, every hour ounce of energy and every minute that was put into making that film is still on the screen as much as it is for the person that watched with the 3D glasses. The movie has not changed. Your ability to see the movie in its full potential is radically different than the person wearing the 3D glasses. So who you are, that is legit and that is is authentic. That is genuine and that is who you are, wherever you came from and wherever you've been. God will will use and has used that background and intends to continue to use that in your testimony, probably to speak to people like you, you know, from, from where you're from. However, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, what matters more is the new, you know, quote-unquote 3D glasses that now you're looking at life through. And that illuminates the reality that you were experiencing before. It doesn't create a, a new separate reality. It illuminates, it it magnifies, it enhances what you've already been looking at. So you're watching a movie without the glasses and then suddenly someone puts the glasses on. You haven't moved an inch. 
you're still watching that same movie, but now you can experience its full potential as it was created. And that's exactly how it is with the Holy Spirit and when Christ comes into our life as King, as our new covenant. So I'm going to focus mainly on verses 18 to or 19 to 21. Those are uh, kind of when I was reading it right before the podcast, that's where I felt like God was kind of uh, directing my attention. But that's basically the context. What you have is you have two different groups trying to figure out how, how do you worship God? What is the right way to worship God given our different backgrounds? And basically what Simon and James are declaring is that the only way for us to have unity in spirit, unity in Christ, how we worship God through Jesus is to address what Jesus declared. And what he declared is that you are a new creation. You are a new creation in Jesus. So it doesn't matter where you came from. What matters now is Jesus, not your your prior experience of how you did things. What matters now is how Jesus declares that you should do things. And part of that is this good news that there is such equality and that there's no favoritism in approaching the altar, approaching the presence and, and, and uh, the, the, the worship of God. So in verse 19, we'll read 19, 20, and 21 again. I'll start in verse 19. It says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. The, the main verse that to me is at the heart of, of this passage and um, is at the heart of this episode of the podcast is verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. When I was reading that, um, it, was con- it was convicting to me um, because it's something that I've, I've dealt with, uh, been a part of, and it's also something that I've, I've witnessed and I've seen. And, and we touched on it earlier in the podcast of the idea of different denominations and different churches. Um, you know, one, one, of the, one of my experiences growing up um, with God and worship, uh, it, it came from attending the Catholic Church. And my, my parents uh, brought me up in the Catholic Church. They, our family was not confirmed Catholic, but that's where we went on Sundays. And uh, if you've ever been to the Catholic Church, uh, if you are a Catholic, uh, the, the Catholic uh, Church service and the liturgy is full of symbolism. You know, it's full of, of rituals, you know, things that you do that, that symbolize something greater. Um, the, the, the center of the entire service is the communion, um, the bread and the wine, and uh, it, it, it occupies the, the centerpiece of the entire service. Um, but then everything else, you know, how you, how you kneel, you know, why you read, you know, this creed at this time, why you sing and recite this, even looking around at the, the inside of the Catholic church, um, the candles, the statues, there's so much, there's so much symbolism. Um, as I've grown in my faith, I, I've been a Christian for uh, about the last six years, um, I've learned to really appreciate a lot of the symbols, and I've learned to, to really be thankful that those symbols are there. 
However, as I was becoming a Christian, as I was kind of seeking the Lord on my own, um, I didn't really connect with a lot of those symbols. I didn't really understand them. Um, and in fact, a lot of what I was experiencing in the Catholic Church, now looking back, was it wasn't necessarily a stumbling block, but it just it, it was something that I couldn't quite reach out and grab. You know, it's it's almost like if if you're if you're just learning the alphabet and then someone you know hands you uh, you know a novel, it's just it's out of reach. It's not wrong, but it's out of reach. And what I needed is I needed something a little bit more simple. And, you know, by the grace of God, he gave me a church uh, that, that was a non-denominational church, at, um, and it still is, uh, and it was the complete opposite of what I was finding in the Catholic Church. What I had in the non-denominational church was stripped down just a message, music, some prayer, and that was it. We met in a, a school, the, uh, school auditorium. So I went from one setting, which was so filled with symbolism, but symbolism that I couldn't, couldn't quite understand or grasp, to an environment where there was nothing but the words I was hearing, the message, the teaching of the, the scriptures, uh, the worship and the worship music, um, and then prayer. And I needed something simple. So what, what often gets lost in, in the church, and that's church with a big C, is that there are different ways that God can speak to us, and there's different ways that God uses us in the different settings to worship Him. And the mistake or the, uh, um, the, the, the wrong turn or the trap is when you start thinking that only your way is the right way to worship God, that only how you do it is the way to worship God. And that just clearly is not the case when it comes to Christ. Christ, what, what's so amazing about Jesus, what's so amazing about the gospel is that it brings in and it unites people of all backgrounds, from all nations, all ages, you know, what's amazing about it is that it is, it is so inclusive. Now, it is exclusive in the sense that once you're in, you do have to walk the way of Jesus, and you have to walk through the narrow gate. And, and that's something that is not, not an easy thing to do. Now, there's, there's a little bit of, of tapping if you hear it. Sorry about that. That's, that's outside. They're doing some work outside the apartment. So if that's, uh, if that's a little bit annoying, I'm sorry about that. But, uh, but we haven't got a lot of, lot of time left, so just got to bear with it for maybe another 10 minutes. But I apologize for that. So one, one thing that you have to recognize is that with the, with the cross, with Jesus, you're, you're opening it up to everyone from everywhere, and the, the way that everyone worships God, it, it might not always be the same, and that's okay. And that's one of the reasons why looking at the church with a big C is so beautiful, is that you have so many different people from different backgrounds coming together, and there's such, such variety. You know, it's the complete opposite of just having a vanilla ice cream ice cream parlor. You have so many different flavors, and the purpose is all the same. The focus is always all the same, but... The flavors and the, the diversity is so vast, and that's such an amazing um, strength of Christianity. 
is that you can have such diversity and that it, it, it requires such diversity because we are all we all are different. We all are, you know, uh, citizens of different different nations and we all have different backgrounds. Even people within the same family, within the same social uh, group have very different backgrounds. And, and what's amazing is that Christianity welcomes that and requires that you come with your background because by testifying about your background, how you've been different, that's how you can share your testimony and show how broad the grace of God is and how diverse and how comprehensive the saving works of Jesus are and that it didn't have to just address this one group, but that it addresses every single group in every different language from every different country in the same way in regards to sin and salvation. That's a strength of the church, and we, we, we often fall into this trap that set up stumbling blocks for that diversity, for that strength. Because of our instincts and because of our human nature, we end up becoming that stumbling block, limiting the strength of the church by declaring that only this one way is the way you ought to worship God. Now, what's, now what's declared in this chapter is that they, they didn't just say, you know, now whatever you want to do, just do it. You know, there were standards. There were certain things that were important. But what they did is by seeking the Lord, going into the, the, the prophets and the prophecies, uh, what's recited in verse 16 and 17 is from Amos chapter 9. By going into what has God said, you know, that that's whenever you're, you're, you're caught and you're not sure about a certain situation or a certain doctrine, or if you're confused about why does this church do this, first thing, you know, and, and this is this this is this is relevant and applicable with any problem that you you come across. First thing, pray about it. First thing, pray. And that could be something as simple as, God, I don't understand, help me. You know, when 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 someone like myself, like in this podcast, says, first thing you gotta do is pray, what that doesn't mean is you know, you, you've got to take, you know, seven days, you know, two hours a day. You got to get on your knees. You, you got to make sure that, no, the prayer is just engaging in a conversation with God. It's engaging with the living God through the Holy Spirit, talking to him. And when you have a problem, you talk to him in the same way that a parent would say, when you have a problem, call me, don't wait a week. Or if so, if a doctor knows that you have symptoms, that are leading towards maybe something worse, they're going to say the moment that this gets worse, you better call my office. It's exactly the same with our Heavenly Father. He's saying, when you have an issue, you better talk to me about it. So first thing, pray about it. Take it. Take yourself, even just mentally, the act of praying. Take yourself out of that moment that is so confusing and take it to God and say, God, I'm not sure why this church does it this way and why this church doesn't. I don't get it. Then, as a response in that in that dialogue, in that conversation, you have to go into the scriptures. You have to go into the word. And that doesn't mean finding the exact verse, the exact verse that identifies your question and it speaks directly to answer that question. Just going into the word. Now, I recommend taking a longer section than a smaller section take a chapter. I recommend going into the Gospels. Let's narrow it down. Go into the Gospels. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Take 30 minutes. I know that's a lot. If you can't do that, take 10 minutes and just read. Take 10 minutes and read. Pray before you start to read and say, God, what do you require from me? 
as a believer, as a Christian, take all the denominations, all the titles, strip them away in that moment and say, Jesus, as a disciple of you, as a child of God, saved by your son Jesus, what am I required to do? What is a requirement as a believer, as a Christian? And then go in and read for 10 minutes straight. You might read through half a chapter, you might be a fast reader, and you might read through two chapters or three, depending on where you're reading. I, I, I recommend taking more as opposed to less. Try and get 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Read. And what you're going to find is that the, the recipe or the approach or the program initiated and established by Jesus Christ is far more simple, far more simple than what we see being carried out from church to church. And what you, what you will see and, and what you will experience in, in hearing the words of Jesus is that there is so much freedom in the gospel to be yourself. There's so much freedom to be, to be exactly who you are when it comes to being a believer in Jesus and a disciple and a Christian. Now, underneath that freedom are standards, and those standards are immovable. Those are, not, those are not anything that you can compromise, nothing that you can alter or change. Now, those are firm, and those are rigid, and those are exclusive. You have to follow those. So if something you're doing that is comfortable to you violates or contradicts something that is established as an, uh, as an unbreakable truth of what it means to be a Christian and, and seeking righteousness, seeking selflessness, humility, sacrifice, all of those aspects of what it means to be a Christian, then your way goes by the highway and you have to follow the way. You have to follow the way of Jesus. But everything outside of those truths, that's you to be yourself. That's left for you to be exactly who you are. So what's stated is in verse 20, it said, instead we should write to them telling them to first abstain from food polluted by idols. Okay, so so right now in my context in 2016, right now it's July and I'm in the state of Washington in the USA. Okay, food polluted with, polluted with idols. What that doesn't mean is I'm going to go in and look through my fridge and try to find, you know, which, which, which food is the food polluted with idols. I don't believe that's the intention. Now, one key word there is idols. Okay, so if I'm in a worship service, and I'm, if I'm worshiping God on my own, if I'm allowing there to be a, 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 an established idolatry of anything other than Christ, I have to remove it. So if, if something I'm doing is receiving more attention than Jesus Christ in my worship service or in my life, you have to remove it without a question, without hesitation. And we've talked about that before. If it, that, could be, that could be so many different things to different people. But if something in your life is receiving your, more of your attention, more of your worship than Jesus, that has to be removed. So be yourself. Be exactly who you are. Don't change a thing. But if there's something that is, is, is established on the throne of your heart, that is not Jesus. It has to be deposed. It has to be removed. First thing. Second thing, from sexual immorality. That's something that cannot even be tolerated in worshiping God. And there's a lot of bullet points underneath what is sexual immorality. And we're not going to go into that 
right now. If you have questions about that, if you want to address any of these issues, please contact me at our at our email, um, and that's mobilewordministry at gmail.com. But sexual immorality is something that is 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 so easily a trap for even the the strongest of Christians. And it's something that cannot even be tolerated. You have to be so aggressive in removing that and defending yourself from it that it cannot even be, you know, within striking distance of a worship of God. And then last, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. Now for me, in my context, that's hard for me to understand, but what I can understand is that it's this, this desire to take life. This desire to take something that's living and to take that life from it. Jesus talks about that even hating somebody is the equivalent of murder. So for, for, from this podcast, there's, I'm, I'm sure, other ways that you can look at this that expand or expound on what I'm talking about. But for us in this podcast right now, what I take away as far as how I worship God, what it doesn't mean is that you can only use these worship songs, that it has to be contemporary worship and not hymns, or that you have to have the communion once a week, or you have to have this style of, of sanctuary, or that you have to have this style of, of dress, or this many candles. All that is extra. In a lot of ways, all that is trivial compared to the truths, compared to the pillars that must be addressed in worshiping God, and that to insist that someone take up your habits or take up your style just for the sake of it being your style and them lining up behind you contradicts the freedom that we have in Christ. But what we have to unite at the place that we have to unite at, I think that can be summed up in those three things that are mentioned in verses 19 and 20. My worship of God cannot be polluted with idolatry of something that is not him. My worship of God has to be completely cleansed of idolatry. Anything that I look at and find more affirmation and more joy in that is not God has to be removed Second, anything that has a hint of sexual immorality or lust. I would take that even further. The lust after something, having a lust in your heart, an uber love, an over love for something. And I think for our, for our practical application right now, that could be even something that is it's, it's, it's sexual in its, in, its, in its nature, that you hunger after it, that you want it. That could be power, that could be position, that could be so many other things, but having this lust for something, and then there's obviously all of the things that are underneath sexual immorality that are also something that cannot be tolerated. And then third, my worship of God cannot be tainted or cannot be associated with my desire to take things, to take life to harbor resentment and anger and judgment. I would, I would say that if you have a heart of worship within you or a heart of worship within a church, a sanctuary, a school auditorium that fights and defends itself from idolatry, sexual immorality, 
and anger and hate and judgment, I would say you're well on your way to worshiping God in holiness and that that worship will be pure, not perfect, but that it will be a pleasing offering to the Lord. So what doesn't matter is everyone doing it the same way. That doesn't matter at all. If you're in a church and some people have tattoos and you find that totally offensive because in your church, everyone wears long shirts and jackets and ties. Who cares? As long as that person is worshiping God, defending him or herself from idolatry, sexual immorality, and bitterness and anger, judgment of the heart, what does it matter if you wear a, a sport jacket or if you have short sleeves and a tattoo? What does it matter if you, you sing contemporary worship songs or hymns with an organ? What does it matter if it's a pastor or a reverend? What does it matter if your pastor wears shorts or if your pastor has a robe? What does it matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you meet in an auditorium or in an apartment or in a huge cathedral. But what does matter is if you meet in that huge cathedral with sport jackets and ties and robes and candles and you don't even care and don't even pay attention to the presence of idolatry, sexual immorality and anger and rage and judgment within those walls. That is the problem. Cleaning the outside and leaving the inside dirty is exactly what Jesus preached against. What he loves is for us to be who we are. He loves that we are exactly the way we are, exactly how he designed us. But when we allow the, the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to come into our lives, who we are not gets erased, it gets amplified, magnified. It becomes its full potential. And what you have is you have the message of Jesus going throughout the world to all people of all nations, uniting them not in uniformity of appearance or not in uniformity of background or nationality or culture, but what unites them is grace and Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the only thing uniting Christians in the church with a big C around the world is the fact that what Jesus says I do, and praise be to God that I have Jesus. That is it. That is absolutely it. One thing that I wanted to share, but we're, we're starting to get long on time, so I won't share too much about it, but in Korea, I had a house church for about three years, and what I didn't know was happening during that time was I was getting very prejudiced against church. And God had to come into my life and to, to call me out on that. And he convicted me on that. He told me that you've got to get back into church and that just because you met in an apartment and you didn't have all the things the church had, you had all the sinful things that church actually has. That there's no difference between meeting in an apartment, meeting in a cathedral, meeting in an auditorium or a gym. You're still going to have people and you're still going to have sin and you're still going to need the Savior. And I'm so thankful by his grace that he did that because it reminded me that there is equality in Jesus and that his word is truth 
but who we are is exactly who we are. And that's something not that he rejects and something that he, he rives back and disgusts that. He loves who you are. He loves where you've been. He loves that that has brought you to him, listening to this podcast, at your church, whatever it is. He loves that he has brought you that entire way. And each one of those years, each one of those days made you exactly who you are. And who you are is a person right now being confronted by the living word, ready to change your life around, transform it right now. That is why he celebrates who you are, is that this path has brought you to this moment right now. And you can look up and you can pray and you can shout out to God and say, praise be the name of Jesus Christ. There's so much liberty and so much freedom in Jesus, unlike anything in the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you accept us. I thank you that you value us. I thank you that you've come into this world and that you confront us and you cause us to stop and to repent and to turn away from our sin. But I thank you, Lord, that you call us as we are and that after we repent, as we claim the name of Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can continue on as who we are. Thank you that you've made us. Thank you that you've created us and put us in the situation we're in. Thank you for using that environment and those people to make us who we are. And thank you for embracing us in all of our fallen nature and all of our sin. Thank you for embracing us and showing us the way. But help us, Lord, to keep idolatry away from our worship. Help us to keep that sexual immorality or that lust of the heart away from our worship. Help us to keep anger and strife, division, judgment, and prejudice away from our worship, Lord. Cleanse our worship so that we can bring to you a pleasing offering of a life transformed and transforming by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And in his name I pray, amen. Okay, so we'll leave that one there. Uh, We'll leave that there for this week's episode. Um, But I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, remember, if you have any questions, uh, any thoughts or comments, uh, any scriptures you'd like discussed on the podcast, please feel free to uh, send us a a message at mobilewordministry at gmail.com. But thank you for listening. And then until next time, enjoy the word and God bless. (music) 